Have you heard about the guys over at Chinook Seedery? They are the only sunflower seed company that is taking the time to connect with college athletes and trying to help them build their brand. They have eight flavors from mild to wild with way less salt and no sandpaper tone. So check them out today over at ChinookSeedery.com. NCAA Division I player to reach double figures of wins and home runs in 2022. Paul Skeens is the best two-way player in this year's class, but he's a potential number one overall pick on the mound, so almost certainly get drafted as a pitcher. After working 93 to 95 miles an hour and touching 99 with his fastball at Air Force last spring, Skeens operated 95 to 99 miles an hour during fall practice at Louisiana State. I mean, when I say I think about it every day, how lucky I am to be here, um, that's not an exaggeration. Yo, what is up, everybody? It is time again for the In Off the Bench podcast. I am Daniel Ball, and I'm joined as always by my co-hosts, my partners in crime, my brothers from other mothers, Jim Cross, Randy Jowers, and guys, we're back at it again with episode five. We got the All-American, the All-American Tiger himself, Paul Schemes. And guys, I'm excited, man, because... This guy is the closest thing to Otani that we'll ever talk to or know or have the privilege of maybe just maybe getting a handshake, sign baseball, or be a friend. But I don't want to waste any time. I want to get his story. I want to talk to him. I want to know all about his time at Air Force and what had him switch on over to the Tigers of LSU. So, guys, help me welcome on to the biggest show and podcasting this week. Our man, LSU baseball star, Paul Skeens. Paul, what is good, my man? Thanks for coming on tonight. We are honored. How are you? I'm doing well, sir. How are you? Man, well, you call me sir. Not doing as well now. I know that's a respect thing, but please disrespect me and don't call me sir. Um, so listen, Paul, we like to start things off. We want to learn a little bit about you, who you are, what makes Paul tick, and we judge you based on these answers. So we'll know whether we're going to keep this podcast going or just cut it off after the first few questions. So the first question is, uh, what's your favorite sports movie, Paul? Um, That's a tough question. I'd probably have to... Definitely baseball. I would probably have to go with uh, Field of Dreams. Solid. You can't go wrong with that. Let me ask you another question, Paul. You may or may not even have this. Do you have a favorite military movie? Uh, Saving Private Ryan. Damn. You know, like, I watched that when I was younger, man, and that kind of scared me. I never did get to feel yeah, it's a Yeah, it's a heavy one. That's super heavy. So now we know Paul's kind of deep. You got some, got some depth to you, so we're going to peel some onions here. All right, next question. Favorite musician or band? Oh, man. Um, I'm a big country guy. Um, yes, sir. All right, I'm done. I'll see y'all later. <laughs> Sorry. Um, I, I That depends on the week. Um, I'd say right now probably Flatland Cavalry, but, I mean, it could definitely be different next week. Absolutely. One that we tend to get recently is, you know, you got Luke Combs, Morgan Wallen. I mean, those are the uh, – you know, the feel-good country, good, kind of good if you want to just ride down the highway, listen to some music. I know every Morgan Wallen song because my daughter plays travel softball, and that's literally all I hear for, you know, how it is to travel, playing softball and baseball. All right, so the next question. Favorite athlete growing up or current? Um, SoCal guy, probably Mike Trout. Currently, Otani. Yeah, can't go wrong with either one of those. That's a, um, it's funny you say. So that time. should give the answer to the next next question with those two yeah. players. So favorite <laughs> favorite sports team is it the Angels? Uh, yeah. Well, that's West a tough, Coast that's guy. A yeah. Yep. Paul, we've been doing this podcast for three years, and every year these two make fun of me because I'll pick the Angels to go to the postseason. And they keep failing me. Like at some <laughs> point, I'm going to pick them every year until they do it. So I'll eventually be right. I hope. Um, but at some point, I need them to come through for me. It just goes to show how hard baseball is, right, Paul? I mean, you got two of the absolute best players in the league, and you can't win, right, at a high level. Baseball is so hard. But enough of baseball for a second. I'm going to ask you one more question before I turn you over. Of the four teams left in the NFL playoffs, obviously it's the Chiefs, Bengals, 49ers, and Philly. Who you got winning the Super Bowl? Uh, I don't pay enough attention to NFL, but uh... – 
It's got to be the Bengals. Uh, Joe Burrow for sure. But Joe Shiesty? I thought you would yeah, go West Coast. No, no, I'm a I'm a Joe Burrow fan for sure. Oh, and this episode will continue to roll. Absolutely awesome. So obviously, you talk about West Coast. Where exactly are you from, Paul? Uh, Lake Forest. It's in Orange County. I got you. The OC. So you know. Uh, I wanted to talk to you about family dynamics. Usually Daniel does this part, but uh, as a veteran, man, I just, I find your whole family fascinating. So talk to me about, you know, the service members that are in your family. I've seen the list is deep. Just kind of give us a little rundown. Yeah. So uh, my mom uh, and my dad are both from SoCal. Uh, my mom has three brothers who all served. Um, and there was some, some more service down the line further in her family, but the direct impact I think on me was uh, her three brothers Two of them went to the Naval Academy, and one of them uh, went to UC Irvine and is in the Coast Guard right now teaching at the Coast Guard Academy. Um, so growing up, I just wanted to, you know, I saw them and saw where they were from and kind of figured that that's what I wanted to, to do um, and saw how, how they ended up. Obviously, pretty, uh, you know, guys that you would want to emulate, um, you know, in your life. So um, kind of just wanted to copy them. Yeah, and that's exactly where I was going with that, that that sense of pride that you have because your family serves and you and you get to walk around and for you, you know, numerous members of your family. And um, so that's really cool. And so you say they impacted you to where, you know, that was something that you could see yourself doing as you got older. Yes, sir. So, Paul, man, I want to I want to get into this, man, because I'm fascinated by one, anybody that can play multiple positions, but two, anybody that can throw 99 to 100 on the mound and then turn around and hit 500-foot bombs. Like, it's it's impressive to me. But going back, at what age did you start playing baseball? And when did you realize, oh, man, I'm a little bit different, I'm a little bit better than everybody, or or did you realize that young? Um, so I started playing, I mean, as long as I can remember, I would probably say like three or four years old. Um, it's, it's been constant in my life, you know, since I've been in school, um, at the very least, but, um, I've always been, you know, good and, and I've always enjoyed it. Um, and when I was really young, I was probably the best one around, um, you know, that I played with, which is probably why I kept playing it. But, um, yeah, I got into high school and uh, I don't I don't think I mean, I, that moment might have come last year, maybe where, you know, I realized that I could, you know, make a living doing off of this and keep playing this game for a while, hopefully. But um, yeah, I, I'm not sure because I've always been good, but um, literally just trying to play the game, you know, for enjoyment and get better at it every day and play as long as I can. Yeah, I mean it's it's a pretty, you know, humbling, you know, humble response where, you know, you talk about you just recently maybe last year realized you had something different. And I'm sure we're going to get into to that and, you know, the switch and 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 what was different and what direction you wanted to go and why the decisions in your career have been made, but um you know, growing up and, and, and seeing yourself play at different levels, were you a baseball only guy or were you you playing other sports? What's the case on the West Coast? Because we got a good perspective of guys that live in the Mid-South area, but also I'm in Florida. So I got a good you know idea of what athletes do here. Um, but on the West Coast, is it a one sport, you know, athlete kind of kind of deal or is it a multi-sport Thing that you guys are doing when you're growing up for me it was one sport year round just baseball did you ever have any inclination to play any other sports or were you just like no i'm good just one sport i'm all right with that i played them here or there uh like my sisters played volleyball and so i played a season of like rec volleyball um when i was in middle school and i like it was just going around on the court and hitting the ball as hard as i could um which was cool but uh yeah, like, you know, other than fooling around like that, it was pretty much just baseball um, year-round since I was probably eight years old. Them dudes didn't try to get you on the court, man, as tall as you are? No, I'm I'm not a I'm not a basketball player at all. I'm not, You're the, I, yeah, the I don't first baseball that, player like that. that's been honest about that. 
Yeah. I mean, I, I heard, I listened to an interview with, with Coach Johnson, and he mentioned that he had some guys that he hoped that Coach Kelly didn't see because they are big dudes on that baseball team that look like they could be football guys. So is he is he talking about you? Is he talking <laughs> he about might you? Be. He might be. I've never played football. Um, and I guess looking back, maybe if I had tried to go that route and be a tight end, maybe things would be different. But, uh, yeah, I'm, I never played football. I never played basketball. Um, never even thought about playing basketball. I, I, don't, I don't like basketball at all. But um, it's just been baseball. So, obviously, you, you, you're playing baseball. You're doing your thing. Um, you eventually you, you, you work your way up. You're in high school. What high school did you go to, by the way? El Toro. El Toro. And so, you know, looking at some of the numbers, I, I want to get into the academic side of it because really what jumps off to the page to me is your academic success. You graduated with a 4.76 GPA. So when it when it comes to academics and and being successful in the classroom as you you know were on the field, what was the motivating factor to be good in the classroom? Was it parents pressuring you? Was it in, intrinsic motivation that you have? You just wanted to be the best, not only athletically, but also in the classroom. But what what was it? What was the drive to, you know, more than a 4.0, you're like, I got to have a 4.7. What, how do you get to that point? I think uh, from a young age, it was a lot of like parents driving me. And then I got to middle school, high school, and it was more of the intrinsic, like it kind of shifted to you know, myself pushing to me, pushing myself. And I think that was kind of a product of like, just do, do the work, do it right. One time, um, you know, learn it the right way and then be done with it. So I can go hit or throw or whatever. Like, um, and so I just like, I guess I learned to work then learned to, um, you know, do my homework and study and all that do it the right way just so that I could um go you know work at baseball something that I actually like to do so um looking back I think that's that was the story on on that side well either way man you you got some you got some brains to go with the athletic prowess man but you know when we look at your your career at El Toro you were all district all county all conference all state I mean basically you were all all planet earth at El Toro, dude, you, um, there talk to me, I guess a little bit about high school and, and what were some of your favorite moments, but also what was your favorite season? My, uh, my first two years of high school, I was not where I needed to be. I was, uh, like I'm big now and I, I was, I was tall then, but I wasn't big, I would say. Um, and I, I like had to grow into my body. So my first two years of high school was just especially my sophomore year, it was just working um, and just putting my head down. I didn't play at all my sophomore year. We won a league championship that year, uh, which was cool, but I didn't have anything to do with it other than, you know, a few games here and there and catching and playing third a little bit. Um, so my junior season was really cool when I could, you know, play a, a big part in it. When I, um, I had developed over the past year, past two years, and some pieces were finally falling into place for me. Um, but I, we only played 11 games or something like that my senior year, but that was my, that was the most fun season. Um, cause I, I think I became like a, a real two way at that point, you know, a starting pitcher and a hitter. Um, and I was just going around it. Like it was, it was just fun at that point. It felt like little league and just going out and pitching and then hitting the next day, catching, you know, later in the week and just going out and throwing the ball as hard as I could and hitting the ball over the fence. So that was, that was, it was 11 games, um, but we were good that year. I love those boys. And um, so that was, that was probably the most fun I had in high school. So take me back to sophomore year. It's hard for me to picture a guy like with your talent and you, you said you didn't play. So is that something where you felt like you weren't ready to play? You didn't deserve to play or you just physically, you you were injured. You like what? What was the issue? Why weren't like? Because me, it's hard to picture you not playing in, at at any point. Were they this that good? Yeah, I, I wasn't good enough. Um, I didn't 
didn't earn playing time my sophomore year. Um, our our league is good, um, or it was back then, and uh, the team was really good. We had uh, we had one CIF my freshman year. Uh, I was on the freshman team at that point, so I didn't have anything to do with that. But um, we had one at my freshman year, and a lot of those guys had come back, and so I want to say we had um, like eight D one guys and like. 10 college guys or like 10 guys that went on to play in college. Um, and like, so I don't, I don't know if those numbers are exactly right, but like um, I knew that I had to develop. And uh, after my freshman year, I was probably six, one, one sixty, like starting a growth spurt. Um, and during my sophomore, at the end of my sophomore year, I was probably six, four. Um, and I'd grown into my body a lot more. I, I think I gained 50 or 60 pounds that year um, getting in the weight room and all that. And, that, that year really just taught me how to work um, and taught me where I need to get better because, like, I would go out in a scrimmage in the fall and do well, not do well, whatever, but, like, I would see where I needed to get better at and I would just work. And so, you know, not playing that year, um, I think if I had played that year, I'm, I might have um, not, not gotten complacent, but, like, uh, it, it wouldn't be the same journey to where I am now. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned the classroom, the push. You mentioned the the pressure at home academically to 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 push yourself a little bit. So it only makes sense that, obviously, you know, you you needed a little push or you wanted a little push, and and obviously it's paying off. The one thing that I will say, and you know, Randy, tell me, wouldn't it be nice to start your growth sport growth spurt at six one? Yeah, and that's I that's mean, how, I mean, that's where I ended. That's exactly yeah. That's what I thought to myself was he said six one one sixty. I ended at five eleven one sixty in high school. So <laughs> yeah, I'm I six mean, one, but I'm a little bit heavier than one sixty. Yeah, we we ain't gonna we ain't gonna go there. We'll keep the weight <laughs> out there. But uh, you know, Paul, obviously, you know we we know the importance of of travel ball and club baseball. Um, you played for Rocks Baseball as well as well as the Saddleback Cowboys in California. Um, is the emphasis in, on the West Coast and in California on travel and club ball, or is there a lot of emphasis on high school ball? What's what takes priority? What helps you develop and get to the next level the fastest? I would say with me, it was about 50-50, um, especially going to my high school. It's um, my high school coach is a legend, um, and he's coached some really good big leaguers um, and some really good players. And, and he's coached a lot of character throughout the years, like a lot of just successful people, but he knows, you know, what a successful team um, looks like and how to, how to build it. And so, especially being where I am now going to go to air force, obviously having that discipline there um, and that structure and um, kind of feeling what the brotherhood is like of, of that team, uh, you know, going to Air Force, it wasn't a super foreign thing to me with the discipline and the the brotherhood there. Um, and then coming here, um, I was a team captain my senior year at El Toro, um, you know, and, and uh, one of the leaders on the team at Air Force, one of the leader, leaders on the team now. Um, and that all stemmed out of high school baseball, I think. Um, I don't think it was a big piece of me getting recruited. But um, that that's where travel ball came in. But um, high school baseball was huge for me. And I don't I don't think uh, a lot of people understand how important that is, especially in Southern California, um, with so many good travel, um, travel baseball organizations. Um, and just like because you want to play competitive baseball, right? And um, high school baseball isn't always as as competitive but um learning that team aspect and working with them um that was really valuable for me so i was just looking it up on the fly paul about where you went to school and you were talking about southern cal which got me to thinking did you go head to head with jacob gonzalez uh yes actually in travel ball okay i, th I thought so because i was looking it up and y'all from the same area kind of general so i figured so yeah uh, i've actually played against him since I was probably 11 or 12. Iron sharpens iron. Nice. Right. So, Paul, from the recruiting side, you said that, you know, travel baseball had a lot lot to do with, you know, the, the college and the direction. Um, you know, so at what point, you know, do you start getting recruited 
and and what were what were the top options as you got ready to narrow it down obviously we know you eventually chose air force but what were the options out there prior to air force and then at what time did people start putting you on their radars um air force was the first option um i know it was the first place i wanted to go and to be honest it was probably the only place i wanted to go while i was getting recruited um that there in navy um air force came along i went to a camp after my freshman year pretty much before i or as i was starting that growth spurt um and and sophomore year i was talking to air force and that was pretty much it and then after my sophomore year that's when the um big recruiting happened i think uh started going to the um tournaments and didn't go to a whole lot of showcases but uh i, I played in front of some schools and started talking to a bunch of schools um and through that i pretty much just realized that air force was the only school i wanted to go to what what was it about air force was it because it was a, a family you know a, a tribute to them or you owed it to them or was it something like you went and you wanted to be a part of it the brotherhood the the military aspect what was it and why why air force I would definitely say like going and wanting to be a part of it. I saw, I went on, um, you know, to the camp and then I went on a visit about a week later. Um, and I saw that I ate lunch with them and, you know, saw them march to lunch and all that, you know, cool stuff that is really cool for a freshman in high school, sophomore in high school. Um, and I just wanted to be a part of it. I saw how they interacted with each other and how they, you know, how, how those guys, talk to my parents um, and to my sisters, like um, how professional they were and um, talking with the coach, um, how much he clearly cared for um, the guys that, that he was coaching, um, like just saw all of it. And I wanted to be a part of it, knew that it was a special thing that, that they had going on. And I wanted to um, be a part of it. You might have just spoke about an underrated aspect that we probably don't talk about. The three of us is is what you said about how they respond to your family. I mean, for us three who are family guys, that that's a big deal. Yeah, and I th I don't think I realized it back then, but like, um, you know, the yes sir, yes ma'am to my parents, and like how just literally just the professionalism of it all, um, you know, how much they, they seem to care about, um, you know, interacting with them. When I went on my visits uh my after my freshman year and then my junior year and my senior year um I want to say my I think my sisters came on two of them and um they got to eat lunch with the cadets too you know rather than just me who was effectively the the one that the coach was trying to get um they all got to eat lunch with them and both my sisters ended up applying to the Air Force Academy they um figured it was something that they wanted to check out at least Oh, that's um, legit. Yeah, so it was like, like they just do things differently there. Um, you know, even from the other academies, I think like just more of a um, a family dynamic. Everywhere in the country says that their place has a family dynamic, but like, is it really? And Air Force, I, I genuinely felt like the coach there was, you know, a father to me, and the people there are brothers to me. Like, those are the people that are, you know, going to be in my wedding and. I didn't know that when I was a freshman in high school, you know, figuring out that that was probably a cool place to go to school, but I know that now and I'm, I'm glad I didn't make that decision. Well, Paul, my first question was going to, we've never had anybody on from a military Academy and we've had, what is it? A hundred gym athletes. No, uh, we've had a hundred. He is number 100 as baseball players. You are 100 baseball player. So we've never had anybody on from a military Academy in any sport. So my question was going to be, what's the biggest difference between you know, Air Force and the traditional, but I think you just kind of covered that, right? It's the family atmosphere, it's the professionalism and all that. But I mean, so is that the biggest difference you think from Air Force and just a traditional college? Oh, uh, no, I, there's a, there's a lot of love in the locker room here. Um, and obviously it's different. You don't go through uh, what you go through at the Air Force Academy. You don't go through that at, at LSU. Um I mean, I get, what I, you're, I get what you're trying to say, because as somebody who's a vet, like I said, uh, you know, there is a brotherhood as somebody who played sports and has been in that locker room versus guys that you're training with. It's a, it's a whole different thing, right? For sure. And it, it's different. But, you know, there's still a lot of love in, in the locker room. Um, I would say the biggest difference is just uh, the amount of time that I have now. 
Um, it's a completely different set of priorities here than, than at Air Force, which frankly is what I came to LSU for. Um, but at, at Air Force, it was just like it was it was high school for another four years, but, it, you know, more strict. And so you wake up and um, you go to you go to breakfast, go to class um, in the morning and then you go to the field and you have four or five hours at the field rather than eight or all day at the field. Um, and then you, you know, go up to the um, dining hall, get dinner and then uh, do homework and go to sleep. And, you know, you have to plan your days around your sleep because you want to get enough sleep to be able to function the next day here. It's just, I wake up, um, you know, do some schoolwork and then go to the field and, and um, I'm, I'm at the field as long as I want to be, as long as I need to be all day. Um, and just the amount of resources for baseball are just different at LSU, just because it's a little bit more of a priority here, I think with the, with the school, which is nothing against the air force Academy. It's just a, a different nature. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so like, that that's the biggest difference i think people ask me um people ask me that a lot and i'm i'm just like it's pretty much the exact opposite at lsu than it is at air force and that's just how it is not it's just facts not bad on either one right so let me ask you a question this actually came up yesterday it's funny you mentioned it talking about getting enough sleep what is the optimum amount of hours of sleep you need to be the best paul skis i'm probably eight or eight and a half of like sleep not not just time in bed like actual sleep i don't even know the last time i got that much sleep. <laughs> that might be like three that, days i don't th- i don't think any of us especially <laughs> daniel daniel might not get more than four on an average basis <laughs> i don't i can't tell you the last time i've slept for three straight hours like it's it's crazy so don't get old paul i don't recommend it yeah. yes sir but paul i want to get into a little talk a little bit about you you don't really seem like the guy that wants to talk about your accomplishments but we're going to for just a minute so humorous here so as a freshman, this list is long. Your collegiate baseball news, first team All-American, collegiate baseball news, co-freshman of the year, Golden Spikes Awards semifinalist, NCBWA first team All-American, Baseball America's first team All-American, 2021 USA Baseball Collegiate National Team Selection, first team all Mountain West selection, Mountain West freshman of the year. So Paul, and I can see it on your face. You don't even like talking about this really. But of all those accomplishments and accolades, what do those mean to you, especially as a freshman? And I want to add on this, a guy that was, like you said, a late bloomer, right? You didn't play your freshman and sophomore. You came on the last two years. Now you're balling. You're one of the best in the country. What does all that mean to you? Um, I'll give you a little bit of backstory. At Air Force, you have nine nine weeks of summer, and you have to be there. That's split into three uh, summer periods, three three uh, three-week periods. And you have to be on base doing stuff for two of those periods. Um, so you're there for six out of nine weeks. Um, and what that, what all that did for me more than anything was just let me be off base for six out of nine weeks rather than on base for six out of nine, nine weeks. I got to go play summer ball and play for Team USA that summer, which was um, an awesome, awesome experience um, to be able to, um, you know, kind of show people what the Air Force Academy is a little bit, go represent them on a national stage. Um, it was really cool. Um, and so all that, I think more than anything, gave me that opportunity, um, you know, to wear the nation's, uh, or I guess wear a different uniform that our nation has, um, wear USA across my chest. And um, we went through the East Coast um, that summer and, you know, got to basically, intra-squad 11 times or something like that got to play the olympic team um and so that was the the cool thing that i got to do um just go out there and compete and enjoy it no absolutely so you started all 48 games for air force including 28 as a designated hitter 18 at catcher twice at first base also made 18 relief appearances on the mound all coming in games in which you started in the batting lineup did you know coming into the season there was potential for you to be to play all those positions and be the utility player that you are known as now? No. Um, the first base actually came from uh, a couple of our players got COVID in, in the opening series. So I, I hadn't taken ground balls the entire fall or winter. And then we get to LSU and for the opening series, and I had to play first base because we didn't have a first baseman. Um 
and, and I had done it a little bit in high school. I was a shortstop maybe when I was 14, but uh, yeah, that was a weird experience to play in front of 3,000 fans or whatever it was then. Um, it wasn't full capacity because of COVID, but I'm at first base, a super foreign um, position to me. And I remember actually uh, Cade Beloso like walked or something like that, got to first base. And I remember talking to him and our teammates, you know, three lockers away from each other, which is cool. But um, yeah, I didn't, I knew that I was going to pitch and I knew that I was going to catch and hit that year, but um, yeah, I didn't. Man. Randy, does it remind so. you of that scene from Moneyball where he says, what's your biggest fear? Uh, uh, Hattie Berg playing first base, he says, the ball being hit in my general direction. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It also reminds me of, like, the story of of Chase Dolander, right? They play the opening season, the opening game against Tennessee. He ends up at Tennessee. Now we got Paul opening up at LSU, ends up at LSU. I'm starting, you know, whoever comes for that opener, if you're good, that opening team's paying attention. So, <laughs> Paul, you finished ninth nationally in saves with 11 and 14th in batting average. Is this a type 410? 410? Come on, Paul. Which was a greater sense of accomplishment, 410 or finishing so high in the saves? Definitely saves. Um, you know, to have my team trust me to do that. That was like, I, I, again, I came in to do it at LSU, and that was one of the biggest adrenaline rushes of my life. I, I probably blacked out when I was doing it. I don't remember, but I acted like a, I mean, I acted like a fool on the mound. Like, you can look it up on YouTube. I looked like an idiot, but went out there and just tried to hit a hundred um, all year, which was awesome. It was just a, a cool opportunity to do that hitting. I was just like going up there and swinging and I just put the ball in play and got a bunch of hits. I didn't, my, my approach then was not anywhere near what it is now. Um, but it's pretty good, Paul. Four ten. And, and Randy, you brought up Tennessee. The story's right itself. So what was Dolander's story? Drew Gilbert took him yard, right? Yeah. Well, for our man Paul here, same thing with Dylan Cruz and other teammates. I bet Dylan didn't bat flip on him now. No, and he still got the save and the win, so that's all Paul cared about. Yeah, definitely. I got the win because he hit because he hit a bomb off me, huh? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Dolly got touched up and got bat flipped on. I, I don't know. So, would you say your let's what's your favorite moment your freshman season? Is it that LSU save? Oh man, um. Probably either there or we also went to Dallas Baptist and took two out of three there, and I, I closed out both games. <laughs> I caught two games that weekend, and I closed two games. Those, right, it's been, um, been real, y'all. That's, that's, that's his team. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. No, you're, you're good. We love it. We want, all, we want all the trash talking. You don't have to do it. We'll do it for you. Uh, so, obviously, you know, last year, just talking about the accolades, they stacked up. But I want to ask you specifically about the Swig and Swine, uh, the Classic and the Freedom Classic, where you guys play Army uh, and the Naval Academy. You beat them both. Uh, we're obviously all familiar with the Army-Navy football game, the pageantry that goes around it. What are the baseball environments like for those? The uh, When we played Army last year, opening weekend, that was uh, there were a lot of drunk, rowdy Army and Air Force fans about – like anywhere from 20 to 80 years old, um, just sitting in the stands. And and when we were playing that weekend and it was at uh, like a, a travel ball uh, complex, like it was at something that I would play at when I was uh, um, 16 trying to get recruited. Like it was, it was a weird dynamic because it wasn't a college baseball field and we're playing there. Um, arguably the biggest game of our season opening weekend against Army. Like we both really want that game. Um, and it like, it was back and forth. Like we, that was a, that was a tough game. And one of our freshmen came up off the, uh, off the bench, I think, and hit a three run shot, uh, to put us ahead and we, we beat army and then Navy, um, that's the series we look forward to every year. Uh, just cause it's, it's a historic field. Um, we've been playing Navy there for 10 years or something like that. Um, and like it, it's cool because we you know do some stuff with the community and um, it's a cool town. Kinston's a cool place, um, but it, it, like it you know we and and we want to beat the Naval Academy. So, um, well, well, of course, Jim yeah. likes that. Hey man, I I let him do his thing. He got the bragging rights on on everybody that year, no doubt. So so Paul Air Force makes it to the Austin Regional. And you mentioned it already. You got a good win over a a good DBU squad while you were there. 
Uh, eventually, you do get eliminated, though. What was just tell talk about the atmosphere and just how proud you guys were of just you know getting into the postseason uh, and winning the Mountain West tournament. Yeah, that was the first time we'd ever made it to the Mountain West tournament. It was the first time we'd ever won the Mountain West. Obviously, um, we knew that if we made it to the Mountain West tournament. Um, that we would win it. Like we had that confidence in ourselves and we went and swept that weekend. Um, and we made it to the Austin regional, which was cool. Cause we had, I think that was the only regional last year um, hosted by someone that we had played already that year. So uh, going back to Austin, we had played them in a midweek and going back there uh, was a, a cool opportunity um, to face them on a weekend. We, I think we broke their record that weekend. For attendance um and it was cool because those fans they they get it a little bit they understand um the military side and and um it's kind of funny because whenever air force goes anywhere they don't they don't get chirped as much as like lsu might just because air force is you know they're the bad guys but really they're the good guys and oh, yeah. uh, so it was, it was <laughs> cool heroes. to experience that uh, cool to experience the respect Ooh, Paul, you're you're definitely getting chirped at this year. But my you guy. know what? Hey, Randy, I thought sure. about that as he says that. You know, I was at the Hattiesburg Regional to watch LSU, obviously, right? But Army was there, and sure enough, you didn't hear any chatter towards Army. No, why would you? Right? Those are heroes. Those, I mean, come on, it's 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 bigger than baseball sometimes. But listen, a big question. Last question I'm going to ask you about yourself, right? So the you you come out, you're the number two ranked guy in the transfer portal alongside who is now your teammate, Tommy Tanks. First, I got to ask you though, what is the how is the process different coming out of a military academy in the transfer portal as opposed to like Tommy White's coming out of NC State? Or is I had it? to do, um, I had to do a lot of paperwork at the beginning uh, to basically get out of the Air Force Academy. So um, I entered the portal like June tenth or something like that. Those next two or three weeks, um, really leading into USA, uh, which I think started like uh, June twenty eighth last uh last summer yeah that that whole time was just out processing from the academy so I, I i went on two visits um during that but it was like a day go back to air force um to keep doing some paperwork and so it was um i couldn't wrap up the process as quickly as i had wanted i had to do it after usa um so, paul real quick is it you you have two years of like of non-enlist or non-duty where before you have to enlist like like how does that work is that is um, that why you're able to just leave or what, what's the deal uh so at air force i'm basically locked into a uh, service commitment if i start my junior year um you know step on on campus um to start day one of classes my junior year that's when um i'm locked into service so because I left before that, I don't have any service time that I that I owe the, mil uh, the military, the government. Yeah, you talk about that that time and how long it takes. I think that's just that's just the government. Right, Paul, you can figure that out. Yeah. All right. So secondly, I got to ask you, man, obviously, it's no it's no secret. I'm wearing a Tennessee hat. Don't get fooled by the colors. I'm a Tennessee fan. You see the background. What made you choose LSU and why? Why didn't you choose Tennessee, Paul? I mean, I just got to know. Um. LSU uh, for me, I think was just uh, the right people at the right time. Um, Alex Box Stadium, I think, is known as the best place in college baseball, arguably. Um, it's up I, there. Yeah, and I, I've played here. Um, I haven't played at the other places that people would say are, are probably the best, but um, I've experienced Alex Box Stadium uh, for one, um, which was a cool experience. Um, but the coaching staff is that, that's who I would want to be working with every day. Um, coach Jay and coach Wes are two of the, uh, I think I would put coach Jay as, as the best um, hitting coach in the country. And I would definitely put coach Wes as the best pitching coach in the country. And the fact that they're at uh, the same school at the same time is pretty perfect. So, um, you know, along with, um, playing with Dylan, playing with Trey, playing with Tommy, um, Thatcher, um, you know, a good core group of guys that are, you know, here, um, you know, with, with winning in mind. I think I know what it is, guys. I just figured it out. He was didn't want to play first base, so he went to the place that had the best defensive first baseman in, in college baseball. <laughs> 
I feel you. I feel you, Paul. Now I feel better. <laughs> what I got to thinking about through that whole thing was, Randy, he was talking about the atmosphere of the box. And, I, and I'll be honest with you, they ranked three for me, Paul, even as an LSU fan. Um, he's not going to get to visit who, you know, we perceive as number one and number two. He Because Arkansas and Mississippi State travel to Baton Rouge. So, um, man, uh, Duty Noble and Baum are, are one and two. But it's SEC baseball rivalries. You, it just doesn't get any better in a, in the boxes right there. I will say this on a Tennessee note, uh, Randy, you know, as I continued to text with Brand again, um, he said he played with Skeens and our boy Cameron James. Uh, Paul Cameron's basically one of the big reasons we got started in all this. Anyway, so it's kind of a small world dynamic. And, uh, and Jack said, what up? And Randy told me to never lay off you because what y'all did to Maneri was just not right. Mm, you know, mm. Nothing but respect for Jay. Though. There you go. Look, hey, Paul, you can't you can't make this up. This 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 uh show's supposed to be about you, but you'll want to hear this story. We scheduled Jack without knowing how everything was going to play out, so his date was set in. Well, it just so happens with our Tennessee friend here, it was the Monday after the weekend series where they beat Tennessee, and so this man's got to look Jack in the face and talk to him about it. And the problem for Randy was is Jack couldn't have been a nicer human being. And so Randy couldn't even get mad or be argumentative. He had to just take it on the chops and it's like. Yeah, well, I mean, obviously it wasn't like I was going to be rude to the guy, right? I was just, I was grateful. I don't know if he show, was rude on the front end. You, you might want, you You wanted to. You I just, merely I wanted to. Paul, I couldn't even have like any fun because he was just so humble and like complimentary of everything. And it just, that did drive me crazy. And I thought for a second, like, is he, is he patronizing me? Like what's going on here? But he was so cool, man. And plus he balled. Like, I can't get mad at this dude for balling. If, if you look at him, Paul, and Cameron, whatever they had going on down there in the summer, you're talking about three humble cats. I feel it. I feel like yeah, Cam – I'm going to say this on air. Cameron is not as humble as Jack Brannigan. He's not. Cam got some swag to him. <laughs> and, and you know what? Anytime he does anything with some swagger on the field, I'm right there when his dad gets on to him about it. So, um, he's not a big fan of all that, but – Getting into LSU, you know, Paul, we we talk about, you know, going to the military academy, man. Talk to me about that culture shock. As somebody who spends as much time on the bio as I do, man, I know coming from the Naval Academy to Baton Rouge, it's got to be crazy. Yeah, uh, I wouldn't call it a culture shock, to be honest. I would say high school to Air Force was a culture shock um, more than anything. But uh, coming, I, I, maybe a pleasant change um, with, with like, the, the pace of life out here. Um, experiencing my first college football, I, we played, uh, what was it? Southern the first weekend, just, I mean, take the hell out of them. And just like, it was one of the coolest things I've ever experienced, like to be in the stadium for that, um, with a hundred thousand people in the stadium, I think another hundred thousand people outside of the stadium, Paul, um, in Baton did you, Rouge. Did you sing Nick? No, I don't even know. I don't even know that song. I don't even know. <laughs> and don't teach it to him, Randy. Come on, he's better than that. Nick. Yeah, I mean, but you can Jim feel sings the... it. I'm just saying. Yeah. All the only, words. only against, only against Florida, only against Florida. So with that, you know, this wasn't on my notes, Paul, but uh, I was down there for for multiple games. Uh, tell me, you were in attendance for Alabama? I left at half. Oh. Were you there for Tennessee? Because Jim was. Uh, yeah, I left it half. He, for that he one. left it half. Yeah. That one too. You could you could have not showed up and been okay. Yeah, I came no. late and left it half for Tennessee. No, I actually uh, the Mississippi State tailgate one was the funny one because you I text both these guys. Uh, I, I set up Tommy White for the podcast because I had met him, but I kind of I kind of fanboy like we were sitting there and I was hanging out because I'm really tight with Rodney Beloso and we're sitting there and he just walks up and it just kind of hits me. I was like, it's Tommy White. I was like, I just walked over there. I like left my wife standing there and went over there to say what's up. And I was like, I got all excited because I ain't never met him before. He's our, just transferred in, so I was I was pretty stoked. But uh, you know, with that, I went and saw y'all numerous times in the fall. Um, I even put together a video. I don't know if you watched it of uh, you against McNeese with your strikeouts and like, and then I've watched you walk go yard a couple times. So to say that you got acclimated well would would be an understatement because you look like you're doing just fine. But I got to ask you, man, against McNeese, like, I'm watching – how many – you seem pretty good because you've been throwing dates out. I've been telling people the story, and I want to say you threw six or seven, maybe even eight fastballs in a row before you threw something off speed. 
And because you had these guys taking fastball so much, the first off-speed pitch you threw, dude swung so early, he he dropped to his knee. Do you remember that? I I think so. Yeah, and, and what was crazy was I told them, I thought you were going to, like, throw to 110 because your first pitch was 95, and then it kept climbing the ladder, and all of a sudden you're a 99, and I was like, all right, my man's going to, like, go up to 110 at this rate the way you just kept climbing. But when you have command of your fastball like that, I watched uh, to be able to see it in person and to see you have command, it's right down the pipe, they can't hit it, and then you can just throw something off speed and – they, I mean, because they're looking for that fastball. Um, how does it feel to have like good control like that? Um, there's a there's actually a term that uh, Wes has. It's called flow. Um, just like being in that state, like that state of mind, just to know that you can do that. Um, and you know the like the the psychological freedom almost that comes with it is it's a really really cool feeling and that's uh thinking about it over break like when you know there there are no hitters stepping in the box and you're just like working every day like that's the feeling that that motivates me I think like um it's just a a, like it's tough to put into words especially after that McNeese game because that was such a cool like I know it was a fall game um but that was like some of the one of the higher attendances I pitched in front of and like one of the coolest experiences for me to be able to put on that, you know, the pinstripe Jersey that says tigers, the LSU hat, go out there and start that game and just shove it for three. Like that was a really, really cool experience for me. Yeah. I, I wanted think- you to keep going. Obviously it was a fall game, but like when you got pulled, I was like, Oh boo, like let's, let's keep going, man. He's dominating. Yeah. And so that, that experience is like the, like the experience for me um, when I think about flow and like, that was a, that was really cool. Yeah, the uh, the first fall game I went to, you actually hit a home run in your first A-B, and I was at the bathroom, and I came back, and George Cruz goes, just so you know, Paul went yard. And I was like, you've got to be kidding me, man. I was like, that's what I'm here for. But luckily, you did it numerous times, so I, I, was, able to, I was able to catch you swing the bat as well. Um, but, you know, speaking of swinging the bat, talking about that Dylan Cruz thing, um, you know, what – what are the conversations like? Because he did hit a home run, but you did get the save and y'all did get the win. Do y'all have fun talking about that? Obviously, both y'all are humble cats, not trash talkers, but it's got to be a fun conversation, right? Uh, everybody else brings it up. I avoid it. Uh, Dylan avoids it. I don't know. Like, I mean, you think I'm humble. He's like 10 times more humble than me. So um, we have, he and he I know. have never talked he, about he, it. Yeah, he came on this show as his freshman year and told us how all he needed after he won freshman sec freshman of the year like how he needed to improve this this all he had was a list of things he needed to improve he didn't do anything right according to himself yeah that sounds about right so you know from a pitching standpoint uh outside of pitching to Cruz, you know, you get to pitch against these guys. Who are some of the guys? Obviously, you don't got to list them all off. Obviously, plethora of talent issue, but just give me a couple of guys that really just stood out to you in the fall. I mean, I've faced – I feel like I've faced them all 100 times at this point. It's it's getting annoying. But uh, <laughs> um, Pearson is a stud. Tommy's a stud. Uh, Paxton Kling, I don't know if you've gotten to see him. He's a stud. Right field, yeah. Um, yeah. Um, man, I'll just go around the – Trey, um, yeah, but Paxton Kling yeah. is making is making it hard for me, kind of as, as a fan. You want you want obviously guys to do well, but Braden Joe Bear is my guy, and so I know that battle in right field is between him and Kling. So it's like, oh, you see that, and it's like your your you know your your fandom kind of gets in the way, and you're like, well, obviously you want LSU to have the best guy who's doing the best out there, but it's like I I know him, and so. Let me ask you a question, Paul and Jim, for both of y'all being obviously you play for LSU. I feel like as much as we talk about college baseball and we're on Twitter spaces and we do all this, the talent's talked about. Everybody thinks you're the most talented team in college baseball. I know you would not say that. Neither would Dylan. But a guy that does not get talked about enough, and we mentioned him already, is Trey Morgan. How does it is it just because the roster is so talented? Because when I watch you guys play the last couple years, even when Tennessee did win the few games in a row, that guy stands out to me on a baseball field from first pitch on. He, he plays the game the right way, for sure. Um, and I, I think uh, the way he plays, he isn't as much of a main character, I would say, as, as some of the other guys on our team, um, simply because I think he's just such a 
team guy. Like he just puts at bats together, um, just selfless at bats. Um, you know, obviously he'll do something flashy in the field occasionally, but like he just does his job over there for the most part. Um, Jim, if, if we're on the playground, and, yeah. If we're on the playground, Jim, and you got just a list of dudes, right? I'm picking Trey Morgan like every time. Like that's my first pick. I don't yeah. even know what he does. Well, that's and, my dude. And that's why I look, you talked about the Twitter. Like I see so many people talking about Jay needs to move him to the outfield so you can get this guy on first. And it's like, yeah, we're going to move the best defensive first baseman to the outfield. Like put Paul over there. He loves first base. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, so we talk about the hitters, um, you know, so flip it to the script where you're the hitter, you know, what pitchers have impressed you uh, through the fall? Oh, man. Um, I faced Grant uh, in live at-bats, and I, I never got to face him again. Um, so, like, he was impressive, but I, I haven't faced him a whole lot. Um, Ty is one of the best arms in college baseball. He doesn't get enough um, recognition, I think, but, I mean, he'll get it. Um, hey, we got him coming him. on in three weeks. We'll give him all the love he needs. Yeah, and you'll you'll see in three weeks why he's one of the best arms in college baseball, too. Um Thatcher heard uh he's a stud worth you know all the the praise that he's gotten since you know the portal and all that um and he, he's going to be really good um and then we got uh you know some freshmen we got uh Chase Shores from Texas who's going to be really good uh he's I mean he's he's already really good and he, he is um he's not even close to his ceiling so it's, it's gonna be cool to watch him develop Aiden Moffitt could be really good. Um, Griffin Herring, you know, could pitch a lot of innings for us this year. I mean, it really goes on and on. Um, and I know pitching wasn't the deal for LSU last year, but I think it will be this year. Well, and that's the thing. The three of us talk about it all the time because um, Randy has the same thing with Tennessee. Everybody just talks about their pitching, but they don't even realize the talent that's in that batting order. And the same thing happens for LSU on the opposite end. Everybody talks about that batting lineup, and they just don't realize how filthy the pitching is. And so I actually think that's going to be something to y'all's advantage. They're they're sleeping on the pitching, and they're going to find out real quick that uh, there's a whole lot of arm talent that they're going to have to deal with. Um, but, you know, with that, I'm going to give you one last question, get you off the hot seat about baseball, you know, of all the series, man, you know, you're you're coming into this SEC, there's all these uh, big-time series, whether at home or away. Is there one that you, like, look forward to, whether it's maybe because you're traveling somewhere or because it's, you know, a, a heavyweight bout coming to you? I'm looking forward to uh, to Ole Miss. I, I'm, I'm looking forward to going out there and because I've heard so much about how they're one of the best um, environments in college baseball. I, I am – Really looking forward to going there and experiencing it at, well, at their place. Well, since you brought that up, I, I got to ask this. Do the guys talk about – because the last time I watched LSU and Ole Miss and some of those same guys were still there, obviously Cruz being one of them um, and, and whatnot, they had a 9-1 to – Beloso is, is who I was talking to after the game. They had a 9-1 lead, and I don't know if you know, but they, they blew it and they got walked off on by Kemp Alderman. And so I feel like they may have Ole Miss circled a little extra uh, because they owe them something for the last time they let one get away when they are there. I have, I have no idea. I didn't, I didn't even know that. Um, I've watched some of the YouTube videos um on all, all that that series with Ole Miss but I didn't know they they blew it yeah could you years. could you imagine so obviously I'm sticking around because I'm an LSU fan the majority of Ole Miss fans have left and it's like 9-1 in the seventh inning and then they hit like a three-run bomb and then they hit a grand slam and then next thing you know in the ninth Kemp Armand's hitting a walk-off and it's like all these fans just missed the most amazing comeback Jim you know, just as well as I know, Ole Miss fans are used to leaving in the third inning, baby. <laughs> Come on now. Tennessee series last year, he's referencing Paul. They were, they were out quick. <laughs> hey, they'll do it again if they could win another championship, I'm sure. Out in the, out in the second. I mean, that's that's fair, Daniel, but that's not what we were talking about. Okay. Yeah, um, why, did, why did you even have to go there? Just just – just saying, you're, you're you're the champ until somebody beats you. Y'all know that. But well, you know who wasn't the champ? DBU, huh? That's yeah. who wasn't. You know what? Just wait, just wait. Our time's coming, boys. Time's coming. Now, Paul, let's uh let's wrap this thing up, man. We're gonna play a quick little game with you. Down to play a game with us? Yes, sir. 
All right, it's called this or that. And, you know, we judged you early on with your icebreaker questions. And we're going to judge the shit out of you some more right now because this is this is going to let us know everything we need to know about you. So uh, it's going to be simple. I'm going to give you two options. You choose one option or the other. Can't say both. Can't say neither. Just be decisive and, and, and pick one. Yes, sir. All right, here we go. Softball question out the gate. Better food, Cali or Louisiana? Man, that's not a softball. Um, so, so it should have it should have been. I I'll, I'll tell you this. I I listened to an interview with you, and you, you know, I quote you said, "I haven't really had time to enjoy much of the food here," meaning in Louisiana. Not sure when that was. It was in the fall sometime. So, have you had a chance to to partake in some food yet? And just give me an answer. Which is better? I've had a little bit more since then. Um, I don't. I don't remember if I had tried boudin then. I have now, and that is like worth it. Um, I, probably Louisiana. Um, I, I again, I haven't had a ton of it out here, uh, but I really like boudin. All right, fair enough. Fair enough. If you were going to go fishing, freshwater or saltwater? I've gone saltwater fishing like twice. Um, and I, I just know freshwater a little bit better. So freshwater. All right. Superstition or no superstition? No superstition. What? A baseball player with no super and a pitcher at that? It's that a first. Air Force just sucked the life out of you. <laughs> Jesus. Now, better feeling, all right? Striking someone out or hitting a home run? Probably hitting a home run just because you don't do it as much. Um, but striking, I would say like striking 12 people out in one game is probably a better feeling. All right. All right. Next question is uh, basically put yourself on a bucket list. Would you rather go to a bucket list concert or a bucket list sporting event? Sporting event. You, what sporting For, event? What, what's, um, what's the one that you got to go to? I wish I had stayed to the end of the Alabama game this year. We had a, uh, I watched it, um, you know, from my bedroom. We had a game the next day, so I, like I don't regret it. I wish I had seen the ending. I did get to see the ending of the LSU Mississippi State game, um, which was a fantastic game. That that was probably the coolest sporting event I've ever been to in my life. Just the atmosphere. Um, if it were Alabama, that probably would have been the coolest one. But um, maybe the Iron Bowl. Um, but only when Auburn and Alabama are both really good. Um, trying to think, Army Navy game, never been there. Um, That's actually what I was. Th I was wondering if you'd been to that. Yeah, I, I I like that. The only problem with that is like, I'm sorry, it's just not very good football. Um, That's facts. The, the triple option isn't very like the the pageantry of it all is really cool, but the triple option isn't fun to watch and. I'm it's not aesthetically him. pleasing. He is a yeah. straight shooter. I love it. He 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 did not hold back. Yeah. Well, uh, he you you didn't make make it to most of the games because you you had to get a solid eight hours, right? That's eight and a exactly. half if he's really yeah, eight, getting what he needs. Exactly. I mean, if and if you throw in any kind of baseball or game in on the next day, it's it's curtains, man. You're gonna wrap it up very early, and you're gonna be. Nightcap in well, bed. Well, I feel like y'all had the the double header the next day, didn't you, Paul? Because I mean, I that's where I was at. Yeah, we did. Yeah, yeah. So that's that's why I left. I I knew I had to. I knew I was pitching that day. I knew I had to sleep. All right. Next question, and this is becoming one of my favorite questions. If you had to choose to be attacked by one or the other, would you rather be attacked by a tiger or a grizzly bear? got to say grizzly bear because, you know, the whole tigers thing, I can't, you know, tigers, I feel like tigers are the more deadly animal, of course. I mean, you're 6'6", 235, dog, with the grizzly bear might run from you. I ain't sure. Yeah, but I, I, I'm i not very fast. I might be able to run out, outrun a grizzly bear. I'm not going to be able to outrun a tiger. Paul, with all due respect to you, you're a fantastic athlete. You are not outrunning a grizzly no, bear, my friend. Not, not <laughs> Better chance than, than a tiger, in my opinion. But that's yeah, true. That's true. Both of them. Look, I, I tell people this 
if you got something that spends most of its time killing things at night, like you might as well, it's a wrap. Like you're not going to beat that. At least with a grizzly bear, you could see it coming and, and maybe you catch it in, in one of those three off months where it decides it will <laughs> to just lay around all, all I have seen videos of people surviving grizzly bear attacks. I have yet to see somebody actually survive a tiger. And let me tell you another thing. You can't outclimb a gr- I'm scared of all of it. I would play dead. <laughs> would y'all play Paul? Would you play dead or would you actually try to fight? Like you putting the dukes up? I mean, what you gonna do? You yeah. just y- yell real loud. <laughs> yeah, you can make it just make yourself really big and like try to scare it off. That works better for you, Paul. I'm 6'1, 240, dog. It's not like <laughs> not gonna be scared of me. Oh man. Would you rather save one loved one or would you rather go for volume and save a hundred strangers? Oh man. You know, this is probably even tough for having this Air Force background. That that is exactly why I was excited when I put this question in there. Oh man. I don't want to say I mean I can't say pass, right? No. <laughs> no. Oh, I will tell you this, Paul. If you decide to to say a hundred strangers, you'll be the first. Yeah, I don't I don't think I could do that. Uh I think it would have to be one loved one. A hundred percent. That's there. That's more of a, a, a right answer, I think. But I don't think there's a wrong answer. But um, I was hoping because of the military aspect, Daniel, he would say save a hundred. I mean, well, he thought you he don't thought say about it, Jim. Like, yeah, are you? I've you never save? been asked the question. Okay, Jim, would you? You saving? And, and I'll say you saving I, Jacks, or you saving a hundred people? See, that's you don't what I was gonna know. say. I was gonna ask the question that half the guests say. They're gonna say, "Do we know who the loved one is?" And then you just said Jack. So since you said my son, yeah, I'm saving my son. Well, I wasn't gonna say Sarah. I mean, I'm, 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 I'm just kidding, Sarah. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, like let's let's take it a step further. We're his be- we're his best friends. Guarantee you, he don't choose me. Oh, we're out. I know. I know. I know. Without a doubt, he doesn't choose me. Let's just put it like this, Paul. If it was a, if it was save himself, if we, he would trip us if a grizzly bear was chasing us. Man. Yeah, you know that's how it goes. No, absolutely not. I don't got to be the fastest. I just got to be faster than you, right? Yeah. <laughs> All right. Last question, Paul, and then we'll let you bounce and get out of here, man. Would you rather betray your best friend, or would you rather go to jail for a crime that you didn't commit? Now, when we talk about betrayal of a best friend, we're talking about, like, this is the end-all, be-all betrayal. Like, there ain't no going back. There ain't no being friends. Like, it's it's no more. Or you go to jail for a crime you didn't commit. How long? That's, that's, that, does it matter? Ten years. And I don't mind him taking a minute because now that 10 years has been put on the table, it's you got to think. Look, I don't care if it was a day. I already, I already told Jim knows this. And, and Randy, I'm going to tell you too, because I don't know if you heard this, but I'm going to stick the knife so far in y'all's back. It ain't even funny because I ain't, I ain't going to jail. Let me I tell just, you something. Not. Let me tell you something right now, DB. I'm snitching. Whatever it is, yep. I'm snitching. You ain't going. <laughs> I'm snitching. I ain't doing it. Yeah, I, I probably got to go that way too. I don't. I mean, hope that never happens, but yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think that is a safe answer. I mean, like you said, you hope it never happens, but nobody's going, nobody wants to go to jail for 10 years for something they didn't do. Yeah. I mean, that's very true. I'm very not going true. to jail for something that's I did. I'm did blaming do, yeah. y'all. Yeah. <laughs> I'm betraying y'all and not going to jail. Oh, man. All right, Paul, man. Anything you want to plug or promote before you get out of here? No, sir. Well, I had a feeling you're going to be humble and not want to say anything. So I'm going to say it for everybody. So if you want to know more about Paul, if you want to see what he's doing on a Wednesday night, maybe he's studying, maybe he's on a podcast, who knows? Or you want to see what he's having for breakfast on a Monday morning, go on over to Instagram at Paul Skeens. Or if you want to see him on the diamond, you want to catch up with him, see what the LSU baseball squad's doing at LSU baseball. You can see it all. Paul, man, we appreciate your time. We wish you nothing but the best. Hopefully, you know, you guys make a deep run. We'll bring you back and we'll talk about it. I like you said deep run, though. Just go ahead and say national championship, brother. I I can't. 
I, I'm not putting that. It, but he's not superstitious. <laughs> but yeah, he is he, humble, though. Well, if you're not superstitious, would you rather be the number one overall seed? No. Paul, I need y'all to finish number two. Since 99, the number one overall seed doesn't want it. Uh, I'm, I'm dead set on this. Get swept the last series. I'll make the call to Jay. Look, and whatever we need to do. Sorry, whatever to get us an Addy. Exactly. There you go. All right, that's Paul Skeens, everybody. If you like hearing Paul's story or you just like hearing us average Joes talk X's and O's, please like and share the podcast on Facebook. Retweet us on Twitter. Listen and subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Anchor. As always, comments, ratings, feedback, hearts, thumbs up, love, hugs, anything that you can throw our way, we're willing to take, especially on Twitter. Jim loves it when you throw stuff his way on Twitter. We'll see everybody next week. We got episode six, and it's going to be savage. I mean, Luke Savage, because we're going to be talking to him. We're going to be talking about TCU baseball. First time having TCU in the house. I'm excited. Boys, as always, strong body, sharp mind, great and grind all the time. We out.